You're listening to a Southside Baptist Church podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website at ssbaptistchurch.com. But let's stand in honor of God's Word. I want you to take your Bibles. We've been in this series called Family Meeting. And just stand in honor of God's Word. We're going we're gonna to go to God's Word in a moment. You can go ahead and be turning to Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 1 through 9. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. We, we've been looking at this subject of family meeting and talking about how to build a stronger family. Some of the dynamics of, of a man. The last couple of weeks we've looked at the man. Uh, today, ladies, we're not going to be looking at you. We're going to be looking at children and, and talking about raising and parenting children. And you may say, well, this is a strange... Why not go ahead with a 4th of July sermon? Well, to be honest with you, there's an old statement that says in America, we're only one generation away from anarchy. Okay, we're only one generation away from anarchy. So in, in that in, with that in mind, I thought about, you know, this is a great time to preach on the subject of how to achieve, how to achieve positive parenting. That's what I titled it, but I also titled it this, The Way to Turn Back America. Okay, Because if America is going to have a spiritual awakening, if God is going to do something in this country, God is going to have to begin in this generation that we're raising right now. So parents, there needs to be a revival in our hearts. So I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Moses writes here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says, These are the commands, the decrees, and the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them. Now notice this. Moses is never just talking to one generation. He says in verse 2, so that you, your children, and their children after them. He's talking to a generation that may not have even been born yet. That they may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of His decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy a long life. Jesus said that I've come to give you life and I came to give give it to you abundantly. Look at verse 3. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Now here in verse 4 is the Shema. It was repeated by every Israelite, every Jew, daily through the day. Children were taught this. In verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is what? He's one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to watch this, are to be upon your what? are to be upon your hearts. Now look at verse 7, parents. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as a symbols, as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. And to the Jew, they literally did that. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. There are two things on the door frame. There's two things that are on the door frame of a Jewish family. This was one of them. And the only other thing they put on the door frame of their home was the blood of the, of the Lamb. 
Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much that you love us, that you care about us. And Lord, we pray now that you take your word, that you anoint it, that you speak to the hearts of every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room. And Lord, we'll give you the glory for what you do. And we pray that the messenger would be clean and pure and holy before you. Use me. And dear Lord, we'll give you all the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You know, periodically, I know my kids didn't necessarily like it, but periodically, you know, I would have what I called family meetings. In other words, what I would say is, I'd say to the children, okay, y'all come here, we're going to have a family meeting. Now, most of the time, this was the response. Oh, Dad, not a family meeting. I, I heard that, and the only other thing I heard was, was I was always teaching a lesson in something. They'd go, Dad, everything's a lesson with you, okay? But I really believe this passage where it talks about as you go along the way, when you're sitting down, when you're rising up as you go through the gate, you know, that, 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 that the parent is an individual that is always busy teaching spiritual principles in the lives of their children. So we had family meetings. Now, what they were done occasionally was to bring everyone together. We wanted there to be an understanding. Okay, And so sometimes Sheila and I, we would call a family meeting. Now today, I'm preaching on the subject, subject of positive parenting. Because I want you to understand something. There's been a lot of negative. There's been a lot of negative stuff about parents. In fact, when I talk to the young people about having children and righteous people, godly people need to have children. Man, we had some good conversations out there in the hallway. Where I was telling some of these young couples, get busy, have children. God's people need to have children. Righteous people need to have children. But there's been a lot, they've been the recipient of a lot of bad, poor, negative parenting information. The average person today, when they get pregnant, the first thing they want to do is just kind of hide it and not let anybody know about it because they don't want to hear all the doom and gloom stories that people are going to tell them at the workplace. Well, you just wait till they wake up in the middle of the night. Or you just wait till they get a little older. You just wait till they turn to teenagers. You just wait. And they're always talking like that, and it's so negative. I want you to know something. Children are a blessing of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. And you may say, well, wait a minute. Teenagers, that's a tough time. Yeah, it's a tough time, but it's a fun time too. I want you to know something, that raising teenagers can be a lot of fun. There's some battles, there's some bumps, there's some bruises along the way, but I want you to hear me here. It is fun having children and raising them. It is a joy. Is it always easy? No, it's not for the faint-hearted. And so here in Deuteronomy, Moses is talking to these parents. Now I want you parents to write down something. I want you to write down the first point. It's really the only point. The power of making a positive or a good impression. Because that's what Moses is talking about. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 5 beginning of verse 29. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29, here you have God. In chapter 5, God has given the Ten Commandments. He's given those moral and ethical boundaries. Now in chapter 5, verse 29, Moses says to the people, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to what? God says to fear me and to keep all my commandments always so that it might go well with you and their children for how long? Wow, forever. Read on. Look at verse 20, 20, uh, look at verse 30. Go tell them to return to the tents, but you stay here with me so that I may give you all the commands, decrees, and laws you are to teach them to follow in the land that I'm giving them to possess. 
So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded. Do not turn aside to the, to the right or to the left. You see, Moses is walking these people through. But now look at verse 29 again. Watch what he says here. Oh, that your hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commandments so that it might go well with you and, then, and, and for your children forever. Now, parents, let me give you a principle here. Parents, your disobedience and my disobedience in the area of lordship will be reflected in the lives of our children. Any area in my life that I am not allowing Christ to be Lord of that area, that area is going to be reflected in the lives of my children. In other words, hear me real closely. If you practice a double standard... If you require one thing out of your kids while you practice something else, then don't be surprised when they rebel. Now, now let me say here, not all rebellion is due to poor parenting. Sometimes parents are trying to do the best they can. I've had parents tell me, listen, pastor, I'm, I, I've done the best I could do and it just seems like it wasn't enough. Now, not all rebellion is due to poor parenting, but I want, you to, I want you to understand this, that children are impressionable. And they're looking to you for lordship. They're looking to see the principle of lordship worked out in every area of your life. Because they are impressionable. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, 1 through 9. This is what, this is what he's saying. Look at verse 7 here. He says in verse 7, he says, impress them on your children. What is he talking about? Well, look at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon whose heart? Upon your heart. And then he says, and impress them into the lives of your children. Children are impressionable. You know, last week we said this. Now this is this stat I've heard for years, and I believe it is very much true, that the average dad spends 37 seconds in conversation with their children daily. Now did you hear that? 37 seconds. Statistically, the average family, children in the home, spend four to seven hours in front of the TV. Okay, now, get the picture here. You've got dad, 37 seconds. You've got the TV, Hollywood, Southern California, four to seven hours. Can I ask you something? Can I ask you something, parent, mom, and dad? Who's making the impression here? Hollywood. The media. You see, a lot of times what a parent will do, they'll even use the TV as what? As a babysitter. You kids sit down and watch TV, mom says, while I go do the housework. You kids sit down and watch TV while I go out and change the oil, dad says. You kids sit down and watch TV while I go do this and do that. Hear me, listen, you are entrusting your children into a world and a philosophy that is making an impression every minute that that thing is on. So here's dad with 37 seconds, here's the TV, four to seven hours. Now watch how Moses leads up to verse 7. Look again at verse 4 through 6. Dad, you've got to see this. Mom, you need to see this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Now he's talking here to parents. 
These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. And then look at verse 7. Impress them on your children. Do you see it? What you impress into the lives of your children, what you impress into their lives is the things, mom and dad, that you cherish. Now let me repeat that because I don't think you heard it. What you and I impress into the lives of our children are the things that we cherish. This is We've got school teachers here. We've got teachers. This is true of teachers. This is true of Sunday school teachers. Anytime we take the position of authority over children where we're trying to make an impression into their lives, listen, what we cherish in our hearts is just naturally going to come out in the way we teach. If, 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 you, if you cherish in your heart position and popularity, you cherish in your heart sports, you cherish in your heart education. Now hear me, there's nothing wrong with education, but if education is all you believe in and that's all you're committed to, then that's going to come out. If you cherish wealth, if you're teaching your children, listen, you get out there and you get you a good job so that you can make all the money you can make. God never told you to make all the money you can make. Where'd you get that from? You got that from the world. You got that, you got that mom and dad from four to seven hours of sitting in front of the TV. of telling you, Now you're telling your children the philosophy of the world. So you see here what he's saying. He's saying, listen, children, God is saying to Moses, Moses is saying to this generation, he's saying, listen, what you cherish in your heart is what you're going to impress into the lives of your children. Hear me, listen to this principle. You are ready to impress a godly life when you are cherishing a godly life above all else. When pleasing God becomes the most important thing in your life. You and I cannot impress into the lives of our children a godly life if we don't cherish a godly life. If we're not committed to that, it goes back to lordship. So Moses says here in verse 7, he says, impress them onto your children. Why? Because children are impressionable. They're like wet concrete. You know, I've used this illustration a lot of times, but you take concrete that is wet, concrete that has just been poured, They can put barricades around it. They can put yellow ribbon. They can do all that they do. But you know as well as I do, I'm 54 and I still want to go up there and put my fingers in it. I still want to go up there and put JP loves SP. I still want to go up there and leave my mark in that concrete. You see, parent, what what God was trying to say through Moses to the Israelite, He was saying, children are impressionable. They're like wet concrete. And when that hand, you see, when that mixture is soft, you and I know that we can push our hand, we can write things in it, we can do those things. And afterwards, once it is hardened, it is there forever. Hear me. Has it ever occurred to us, Proverbs 22, 6, Proverbs 22, 6. We all know it. Train up a child in the way they should go. And what? And when they're old, they'll not depart from it, right? Okay. Now, God, the principle there is this. When your children are young and impressionable parent, you're getting down there and you are impressing 
spiritual principles, the laws, the decrees, the Word of God into their life. While, listen, while the, while the mixture is wet, while it is soft, while it is pliable, because there'll come a day when it will become hardened. And what the principle is, is that once it's hardened into their life, they may drift, there may be some difficulty, but they're going to come back to that because it's been impressed into their life. This is the principle. But the implication here is, parent, verse 7, that there is a window of opportunity, there is a season, there's a time, there's a moment, there's a narrow window. Now, now stay with me here. What he means here is, when he says impress them into the lives of your children, is that there's a narrow window, there's an opportunity to, to do that, but that opportunity is going to slip away, and it's going to slip away very quickly. And so what he's saying is, you have to do it while you have the opportunity, while there's that moment. Now, hear me, parent, listen to me. It's not just a matter of a narrow window... If we're going to make an impression into the lives of our children, and this was something that I felt like God revealed to me this week. It takes force. You can't leave an impression in anything without putting a measure of force to do that. It takes force. It takes pressure to leave an impression. So how do we do that? Parent, listen. Stay with me here. Pressure, training... Parenting requires discipline. It is discipline. It's consistency. The picture here is a consistent... Uh, what did I say about the Shema? He says, well, look what, look what he says. Listen, he said, take the Shema. Take the law. Take the decrees. Put them on your, bind them on your forehead. Bind them on your wrist. Put them over your door frame. Talk about them when you sit down. Talk about them when you get up. Talk about them when you go through the gate. Talk about them as you walk along the way. Impress them into the lives of your children while you have an opportunity because that opportunity is soon going to slip away. All of that speaks of discipline where we get the word disciple. The problem is sometimes, parents, is that we are not consistent in our parenting. And when we are not consistent, we lead our children to be frustrated. They don't understand. They don't understand the expectations. Mom and dad are vacillating back and forth instead of just simply saying, this is the way, walk in it. So there's discipline. There's also, it's determined. You know, God has a plan. God has an agenda for your children. He has a will and a purpose for your child. Already little Ethan, just a month old. That new little grandson of mine. God has a will and a purpose for Ethan. He has a plan. And it's, and it's, and it's Ledge and Alicia's responsibility to try through prayer, through meditating on God's Word, to begin to discern and understand God's plan. But I can tell you one thing that they don't have to pray about. In Romans 8, 29, God says this in His Word. God says He is conforming us into the image of who? 
into His Son, into the Son, Jesus Christ. God is chipping away everything that doesn't look like Jesus. And parent, you are a tool in God's hand by which He is conforming your child into the image of His Son. Some parents hit teenage years. Let me, let me tell you what teenage years are like. I've raised four of them. A teenager is like a young stallion out there pawing the ground. They are fighting the bits and the reins that that cowboy's tried to put in their mouth. They are wanting their freedom, hear me mom and dad, when they are not mature enough to handle it yet. I don't care how mature you think your teenager is, they are not mature enough to handle all of the responsibilities of being an adult. And so they rebel against that authority. You know, I thought about it like a dog. You know, a dog that runs loose is a menace to the community. If you give, your, if you give a dog freedom, bef- well, if you give your child freedom before they're ready, listen, you're going to have a problem. A dog on a chain, though, will make him mean. You ever seen a dog on a chain? Put a dog on a chain and make it mean. Mom and dad, if you're untrusting, if you're suspicious, if you're controlling, if you believe the worst about your child, then they're going to rebel. You see, I think the best picture is a dog in a fenced-in enclosure. Because that's the picture of a parent giving the child a measure of freedom. That's trust. And if they handle that measure of freedom well, then they give them more. If they mishandle it, then they tone it, they bring it back in. They take it away. They remind that child that they will now have to earn it back. That's the difficulty of the teenage years. You put that child with certain perimeters, certain guidelines. You don't put them on a chain, you'll make them mean. You don't let them run free with their peers and do whatever they want to do because they'll be a menace to the whole community. Why do you think this city is in the mess that it's in? I visited a senior adult this past week who lives right next door to a crack house. Do you know what most of the ages of the young men that were around that crack house were? 15, 16, 17, 18 years of age. Most of them 15. And you see, this is what, this is what Moses was trying to drive home to the Israelite, to the Jewish people. He was saying to these parents, you can, you need to impress them into the life of your children. This will require discipline. You're going to have to talk about it all the time. This will require that you be determined. There's a plan. There's an agenda. And let me say this, mom and dad. Drifting is not an option. There's a principle here. A boat that is allowed to drift will go with the what? It will go with the current. The Bible says broad is the way that leads to what? To destruction. That's where the world's current is heading. Mom and dad, hear me. You cannot let go of the reins. You hold on to the reins of that stallion even though they're throwing a fit and raising up making all kinds of a fuss. You cannot allow your child to drift. You can't just close your eyes and hope for the best. I heard this week Adrian Rogers told the story of a a farmer. He said this farmer had a brush pile out in his pasture. He walked out there one day, throwing some brush on it, and he saw a little bird building a nest in it. So he shooed the bird off, and he got down and he tore the nest up. 
couple days later, he came back with some more brush. What do you think he found? Found that bird right back in there building a, a, a nest again. He went in there, reached in there, grabbed that nest, threw it out, tore it up. Came back again the third time. And, he, and, he, and that bird was right back there building a nest. He reached down in there, took that nest, tore it up, and threw it away. And that farmer, Adrian Rogers, said he could imagine what that... He said that, he said that a farmer kind of reflected on it, but said, you know, he wondered what that bird said to the mate. You know, one bird went, went to the other mate and said, you know, I keep trying to build this, 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 this nest. I keep trying to build us a home. And every time I just about get it built, this big clut comes along there and grabs it and tears it up. And Adrian Rogers went on to make this statement. I thought it was so good. He said, you know, sometimes as parents, we are trying to build a home on the world's brush pile rather than the foundation of Jesus Christ. You cannot let your children drift. You may say, well, wait a minute. I'm just going to close my eyes and hope for the best. Never. You can't close your eyes and hope for the best. You, you can pray, but you also have to parent. And my friend, know their friends. Know their friends. I can tell you, a lot of parents will invest everything in the lives of their children and do such a fantastic job and raise them up in the Lord. And before long, they'll let them run with their own people. And my friend, when you let them run with their own people, you'll lose them like that. Know their friends. Bad company will do what? It'll corrupt good morals. Now, we'll close in a moment. Now, I'm not going to go on to Proverbs 22.6. I was today, but I'm not going to do that. Because I want to close by saying this. I know there's some parents in this room that are hurting. There are people in this room right now, your children are at a time when they're giving you difficulty. And they may even be grown and giving you difficulty. I want to say something to parents that are hurting. First of all, I want you to understand this, that some things can only be seen and understood in the dark. In Psalm 148.3, I don't know if we can get it up there, but in Psalm 148.3, it talks about the stars. Parents, sometimes, sometimes when you're raising teenagers, when you're raising children, when you hit those teenage years and even into adulthood, you feel like you're in a tunnel, a dark tunnel. Your child feels like they've kind of drifted away from you and you're hurting and it grieves your heart. You don't know, I tell you, I know, I've been there. You feel like you're in a dark tunnel. You can't see light. When we would go to South Africa, we used to leave Zimbabwe, Harare, Zimbabwe. We'd go down to Johannesburg, South Africa. There was a point when we came into South Africa, uh, there was a point to where we would go into a... You just drove into a mountain in South Africa. And, and, and when you went inside this tunnel, it was just a dark, long tunnel. And that sometimes is the way it feels about being a parent. But I want you to know something. There are things that God is going to show you that can only be seen and understood in the dark. You can't see stars right now. But you can at night. And I want you to hear me. Hear me. Some of you young parents, you don't have no idea what I'm talking about. But some of you others, you do right now. I wrote this down. God used my struggles in parenting at times to teach me about God and about me. There were times that God would shake my soul 
when I would lift my hands up and say, God, I'm hurting right now as a parent. God, I don't understand what I'm going through. God, I, did you see what's going on here? And God would say, yes, I saw, and I know how you feel. I feel the same way when you do that to me. Number two, and we'll close. There are treasures in darkness. In Isaiah, 50, in Isaiah 45, verse 3, in Isaiah 45, 3, do you see that? He says, I give you the treasures of darkness. Well, what are the treasures of darkness that are in the secret places? Sometimes, parents, it is in those dark times of parenting when you're hurting. Mom and dad, some of you young parents, remember this. The oldest may be compliant. They may be no problem at all. And the next child may put you through grief and heartache. But hear me. And I wrote this down, in the light we see the things that are near, in the dark we see those things that are far away. Those dark times as a parent, listen to this, will grow you more, will deepen your walk with Christ more, and teach you spiritual truths that you will carry through the remainder of your life. Now let's stand and I want you to I want you to listen to a story as we close. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around Jesus to hear Him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. So Jesus told this story. There was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had. He set off for a distant country and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that country. And that son began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. He longed, this son longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death. I will set out. I will go back to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. He was filled with compassion. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I, I have sinned against heaven and, and against you. 
I'm, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on and Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. He's alive again. He was lost. And now he's found. When a young boy would grow up in an Indian home, it would come that day before he became a a brave. They'd take that young boy and his father would take him out. And the father would draw a circle in the middle of the deepest, darkest part of the forest. He'd draw a circle. Place his little boy, his son there, little Indian boy. And that little boy was told you to stay there. If you're going to be a man, you're going to have to stay in that circle all night. So that little boy would, that father would leave him, some of the braves, they'd leave that little boy and he'd be hunkered down and little kid be just as shaken. Soon the darkness would envelop him and the sound of wolves and coyote and all of the sounds of the forest. Little boy would be trembling and shaking. But about 2 a.m., about 2 o'clock in the morning, that little boy would finally drift off to sleep, still sitting in that circle. Soon the sounds of mourning, the sound and the filling of light and the warmth of the sun would begin to beat on that little Indian boy. And all of a sudden he'd begin to rouse and he'd rub those eyes. And when he did, he would see as the sun was coming up, he would see his father with a drawn bow with the arrow held ready, guarding his son all through the night. That's it. That's a dad. That's the heart of a father. Even when a child doesn't understand, even when it doesn't make sense. And that's the heart of a loving Heavenly Father. In those deep, dark moments, parent, mom, and dad, when you feel like your heart is breaking, you feel like you're in the circle, and you feel like the darkness is enveloping you and the sounds of the world and the hurt and the pain of what you're going through with your children, even if they're grown, you have a loving Heavenly Father who stands at the outside of that circle and He says two words to you, mom and dad, trust me. Trust me, trust me, trust me. I'm here. I haven't left you. Do you know the Lord? Are you a Christian today, mom and dad? You can't leave a good impression if you're not walking with the Lord, if you don't know Him. What better time to be saved, to be set free of sin than on the 4th of July? If you're a parent here today and you're hurting and you're struggling, God's revealing some things to you that He could never reveal other than through the pain you're going through because He's a parent so He can understand. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, dear Lord, we thank You so much that You love us. We thank You that, dear Lord, that You care about us. That, dear Lord, like that little trembling Indian boy who longs to be a man, who longs to be an adult, but is so frightened by the sounds of the forest. 
only to wake up and, and to see the picture of his father who is all night has stood watching over that little boy, guarding and protecting him. He didn't know it. He didn't know it. He couldn't see it in the darkness. Sometimes, dear Lord, when my children were small, when they were frightened, I'd go in and lay down next to them in their bed. And just my mere presence would be enough to calm them. Lord, for hurting parents here today, those that may be struggling even with an adult child, would you, dear Lord, comfort them? And Lord, if there's anyone that doesn't know you today, may they come today and give their heart and their life to you and become a Christian and serve you for the rest of their life. Father, speak to us in the name of Jesus.